Welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Podcast. This week on the mini update episode, I am joined by sommelier Lauren Gay once again. She's been on this podcast before. She is the wine director over at Sueño and Tender Mercy. She's also the GM over at Sueño, which if you haven't been, they're in Dayton, Ohio. Tender Mercy is underneath Sueño, so it's like this underground cocktail bar. And then Sueño is kind of the Mexican restaurant I'm right downtown in Dayton, a couple streets down from Jollity, which is another Dayton restaurant that we've had on the podcast. And we've had uh, Jorge Guzman, who's the chef over at Sueño on the podcast too as well. So uh, if you're unfamiliar with Sueño, what they've got going on on the food side of things, make sure to check out that episode. But Lauren covers kind of all the wine program and everything that they're going on on that side. The reason we have Lauren back on is because she's getting ready to open her own wine bar called Jouy, which will be opening in Dayton sometime this spring, summer. They're kind of going through construction and then they get permits and then they got to go through more construction and they got to get permits for other stuff. So they're working their way towards it and she's got everything kind of all in place and everything. And Lauren's one of our favorite sommeliers. You know, we've had a bunch on the podcast. They're all awesome, but Lauren just kind of approaches the wine industry a little bit differently, I feel like, than other sommeliers that we've had on just based on her life experience and everything and what she's kind of focused on. She's not locked into one kind of wine. Like she definitely gravitates towards female producers and female, you know, run wineries and stuff like that. But she's not exclusive to that. She's not exclusive to natural wine. She's kind of like whatever you like and whatever's great and delicious, like that's kind of what she's all about. So it's a definitely, you know, a different way of looking at it where I feel like everybody has that one region. And it's a question we ask a bunch of sommeliers when they come on the podcast, but what's that one region that really like sucked you in? And I feel like for Laura, like she doesn't really have that and that's perfectly okay. And that just means that there's different ways to approaching the wine world and how you wind up getting into it too as well. So you can follow her on Instagram. She's still over at Sueño and Tender Mercy as she's working on opening up her wine shop. You can follow her at Lauren and it's L and like 12 A's and then U-R-E-N. Um, it's very unique. Can't miss it. Follow her there. You can also follow her wine shop. They have an Instagram account set up. It's at Jouy Wine. So J-O-U-I-W-I-N-E. It's all one word. And also follow Sueño at Sueño D-Y-T and at Tender Mercy D-Y-T too as well. You can follow us at Spoon Mob. Check out our website, SpoonMob.com for links to the episodes, updates on all our guests after they've come on, before they've returned. Uh, we keep them all kind of in order as they come out. So you can hit the drop down. Uh, everybody's up there. Um, different food photos, wine photos, all that stuff is up there too as well. You can write in questions, comments, feedback to as well, either through the contact portal or directly to us, spoonmob at yahoo.com is our email. We'll get pretty much right back to you within a day or so. And then make sure to follow, subscribe to the podcast, whatever platform you use. All our new episodes with new guests drop on Thursdays, 1 a.m. And then the mini update episodes drop Tuesdays at 1 a.m. whenever we have one recorded and we kind of push it out right away. So it's a little bit more sporadic and free flowing. Without any further delay, here's the mini update with sommelier and future wine shop owner Lauren Gay of Jouy in Dayton, Ohio. Since the last time you were on the podcast, it was announced maybe like a month or so ago, not that long ago, that you're going to be opening your own wine shop in Dayton sometime this late spring, summer, somewhere in there. How did that materialize? Because I know last time, you know, you mentioned that it was a possibility doing something with the Sueño ownership or whatever. How'd this all come together for you? It's been a long time coming. It's been something that I've been thinking about for a long time. I think it's probably one of the reasons I moved back to Dayton a number of years ago. 
you know, it's, it's an emerging market and there's a lot more opportunity to do something like this. So I've been casually looking for locations for about four or five years, probably looked at at least two dozen different locations all around downtown and some of the neighboring kind of neighborhoods, I guess. And most of them were just garbage. <laughs> Honestly, I think I've just, I was kind of waiting for the right spot. The place that I signed my lease for, I walked in and it was like two seconds and I was like, yes, this is it. All of the things that I wanted in a shop, high ceilings, lots of natural light, kind of a historic feel. Everything was so perfect, except for the fact that it was about twice as big as I originally wanted. So the original intent was just for it to be a wine retail shop. And there's so much space that I knew I had to do something else. So there is going to be a bar. There will be on-premise you know, wine tastings and a full liquor license, hopefully. So you can do cocktails and small bar bites, things like that. So it quickly became a much larger undertaking than I originally intended. But I'm, I'm very grateful for the whole experience. And I think the location is so perfect. So yeah, it's just kind of been snowballing from there. And I, I believe that I viewed the property in August and I signed the lease officially in October. And then it's just been planning stages from then. I, I know wine. I know literally nothing about starting a business. I can run a business, but the whole starting uh, starting the business from literal scratch has been crazy. The, the location hasn't been inhabited for a number of years and there's nothing there. There's not electric, plumbing, nothing like that. So we are literally starting with a blank canvas. All the other spaces that you looked at prior, they just didn't have something not enough natural light or rent was too high, wrong location, or needed a bunch of work, you know, to rehab or something like that? That's pretty accurate. I would say most of the places that I saw were in pretty bad shape. This one, there isn't anything there, but at least I'm not cleaning up decades of rat's nests and, um, you know, broken windows and water damage and things like that. There's one place in my neighborhood just down the street from me that I looked at that was a former pizza place. And it hasn't been occupied for a number of years. And you walk in and it's so strange. It's very preserved in time. They literally have pizza boxes that have been constructed that are stacked on the shelves still. And the upstairs, the realtor pitched it as, oh, there's an opportunity here to create two apartments in, in, on the second floor. Maybe if you put like 20K into renovations, then you can flip that and you walk upstairs and there's no plumbing. There's no electric. There's no windows on half the windows. There's no floors. We're literally walking on floor joists, stepping over bird poop. And I thought to myself, 20, like 20K to, to literally build out these entire apartments. No, this is going to take several hundred thousand dollars just to get it to a place where we can then start constructing what we need to do. So there's a lot of properties like that, where if I had a lot of money and free time and experience and know-how then it could have been a fun project, but this is my first go around. I don't know what I'm doing. I needed something that was a little bit easier to manage from the outset. Realtors do like to undersell stuff. I remember when we were looking at places and there was one place and our realtor, we were trying to figure out envisioning you know, where you'd even put the TV on the wall. You didn't have a whole lot of wall space. So you, you have to have this kind of narrow point where you can anchor it. And like the thermostat was in the way in this one place. It's like, oh yeah, you could just move that. I'm like, that's not just an easy thing to move. You got to get an electrician. You got to move to a different wall. Like, I'm like, that's not just like I can move that in an afternoon. Like, it's a little bit more than that. There's this joke in Kimmy Schmidt, the show, where they're viewing apartments. And one of the characters asks a question, where's the bathroom? And the realtor goes, where isn't the bathroom? And it feels, sometimes it did feel very much like that. <laughs> So how'd you come up with the name for it? 
is it, uh, if I'm saying this right, Jui? Yeah, that's perfect. Wow, very impressed. Again, this has been kind of an idea simmering in the background for a very long time. And I had gone through a number of iterations and themes and kind of color schemes and feel like I stumbled upon the word jouissance a few years ago when I was reading an article about words that exist in other languages that don't really have a direct English translation. And jouissance is a French word that means something that brings physical and intellectual delight. And I thought that was a really novel idea. And it is kind of fun. There isn't a word in English that has that similar meaning. And I thought it was very on brand that the French have a word for that because they are such centrally based people. They love to eat. They love to drink. They really kind of savor life in a lot of ways. And when I heard that word, it immediately reminded me of wine because to me, wine, studying wine, drinking wine is a very cerebral experience. It does bring me intellectual delight as well as physical delight. So I immediately made that connection in my mind. So before I even signed the lease on the property, just in preparation for starting this business, I did go ahead and get out an LLC with the name Jouissance. And it was it was kind of a difficult decision because it is a weird, long French word. And French words can be intimidating to an American audience. I didn't take French. I've never taken French. I took Spanish. So it's even intimidating to me. And so I decided to go with Jouis for short. And you can call it joy. You can call it Jouis. You can call it whatever you want. I really don't care. I figured, you know, we're in the Midwest and however you want to bastardize that name, I'm I'm cool with it. It all means the same thing. And again, just, you know, it, it kind of perfectly encapsulates my relationship with wine and why I appreciate wine so much. Has construction physically started yet or is that still materializing for everything, laying the groundwork with the architect and all that stuff? Where are you at in that point? So the design work is done, the architectural drawings are done, all the CAD work is done, engineering drawings are done. We've put in a permit application for with the city of Dayton so that we can start construction. There is a permit set that already exists for the location from the previous tenant. So they started to get to white box installing bathrooms and doing framing with drywall and things like that, but they stopped once that lease was broken. So because we're in a really, really good spot with all of that back-end stuff, uh, hopefully within the next week or two, I can restart the construction with the landlord for that white boxing. And then after that, it's just, do I want to continue with that contractor to do all the actual build out or do I want to go with somebody else? So I'm still waiting for a bid from one of the other contractors, but I'm certain who I'm going to work with. And so I think that we're probably about six weeks out from obtaining the full permit from the city of Dayton. So until we even obtain that permit, I'm legally not allowed to start construction. Again, hopefully I can use that existing permit set to at least get to white box level and get those very, very basic things out of the way. Up to now, what's been the the hardest or most challenging part? Is it finding, you know, the architect? Is it going through all the paperwork and getting permits? Is it the liquor license application? Like what's been the biggest hiccup for you? Like, wow, I didn't think this was going to be this difficult, but this is way harder than I thought. Until starting this project, I had no idea what I was doing. I kind of still don't know what I'm doing, but <laughs> I know wine, I know hospitality, but all of these these terms and abbreviations and people are talking about, oh, is that OP and how much TI did you get and all of this stuff. I had I had no idea. So it was definitely a crash course in starting a business, starting a small business. But I am very, very fortunate that I have had a lot of wonderful people holding my hand every step along the way. A common question that I do get is, what do the owners of Sueno and Tender Mercy think about all this? Are they so mad? And then I tell them, they've been encouraging me to do this from day one. Chris helped me 
find the location, get in contact with the owner and negotiate the lease. David and Ginger, the design team, have done all of the design work for the wine shop. David, I probably call or text him several times a day, freaking out about like, what does this mean? What do I need to do? Did I forget to do this? There's absolutely no chance that I could have ever done this, nor would I have had the confidence to do this without the support of the owners of Tenor Mercy and Sueño, the Idea Collective. So they've really helped make this process so much easier. They put me in contact with the architect, whom I love. Moda 4 has been so wonderful to work with. Even Windsor, the landlord, the owner of the property, they've been wonderfully supportive and helpful. And I applied for a business coach through the SBDC. And I meet with her once a week. And her name's Lisa. She's fantastic. She owned a series of bakeries in Milwaukee. And she's been just an invaluable resource of information. So it's all of the scary things have become far less scary with all of this support. I think the biggest challenge has just been balancing my time because I am still the wine director at Sueño and Tender Mercy. And for all intents and purposes, I am the general manager at Sueño. So I'm still on the floor four or five nights a week. So I wake up, my boyfriend has to be at work at 8am. So I wake up at seven o'clock with him and then I'm at my home office by 8.30. And I always prioritize work that I'm getting paid for first. So I'm reading emails and I'm on Slack and I'm trying to organize prefix meals and negotiating contracts and things like that for Swainio and Tender Mercy. Meanwhile, I'm trying to still work on things for the wine shop too. And then three o'clock rolls around and I'm on the floor uh, over at Swainio. So it's, it's just a lot. Plus my boyfriend, he has been very, very patient with the fact that I'm working pretty much two full-time jobs right now and we get time together in when we, when we can. But yeah, I think it's just the, the life balance has been the biggest challenge. And again, trying to prioritize tasks that I need to complete for the wine shop because I'm not getting paid for it. And so it feels, I always feel bad if I'm shirking my duties at Swing You and Tender Mercy to prioritize joy. So yeah, it's, it's balance. Balance is always the issue. I think in any, in any profession, that's, that's a a big challenge. So it has been (laughs) proven time and time again to be my biggest challenge with this project as well. Now, since you have more space than you originally planned, are you still going to focus on a certain section or region of wines or are you just going to kind of have anything and everything that you're kind of a fan of? Do you have like a theme or do you know kind of how you're going to do that yet? I don't really have a theme. I know that I can't be everything for everybody. And that's always foolish as an entrepreneur to try and do that. I do want to have a well-represented slice of the wine world. I'll have wines, hopefully from multiple parts of the world, multiple countries, multiple price points. But I do want my bread and butter to be wines that are uh, respectful to the environment, sustainably produced, organically produced. And I always want to have a preference towards female uh, led or produced wines as well. The cool thing about this location is it is in the heart of downtown Dayton. And I'm surrounded by condos and apartments. There are so many people that live even just right above the shop. So I'm trying to think of this built-in community that hopefully will support this business and what do they want. And I think having a place where you can pop down on a Tuesday night and say, hey, I'm making a bolognese, what $20 bottle of wine will pair well with this? So kind of keeping it affordable and again, as always organic or as environmentally friendly as possible. You've kind of dabbled around in photography for the past number of years. Are you going to do most of the photography for the wine shop? That's a great question. I think to start, I will probably be doing the photography and social media management, just trying to figure out what the voice of the company is in terms of our marketing and and social media presence. I enjoy photography as a hobby and uh, an art form and a form of self-expression. But when it comes to 
this kind of photography, it's not necessarily as inspiring to me all the time. So if that is something that I can quickly outsource once I am not broke anymore, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Fortunately, the space is going to be very beautiful. Ginger and David from the Idea Collective have done a fantastic job of designing and we're working on selecting all of the finishes and fixtures right now, which is the fun part. So I, I hope that it's going to be a highly photographable place, whether it's you and your friends there for a glass of wine or whether it's staging some product for social media posts to promote a new product or something like that. And yeah, again, to start, I will definitely be probably doing everything <laughs> just until I figure out my footing and can identify some people that I can delegate to. Grand vision, you know, when you finally get open, you know, what all do you think you're going to incorporate? You're going to have collaborations with different local chefs, or are you going to do a wine club, online ordering, online shipping? Have you thought about any of that stuff? Definitely the former, but not the latter. Online and shipping is just a whole beast that I'm not interested in getting into. Uh, Kevin Hart over at Hart and Crew, I know they focus on that and kudos to them, but that is just a whole different beast. So I am very interested in the experiential aspect of wine. So yes, definitely lots of wine tastings, in-person events. When we design the space, all of the retailing and even most of the seating, pretty much everything except for the kitchenette area and the bar is going to be mobile. I'm putting things on casters and wheels so that I can move things around and we can be in event space. We can do chef dinners. We even created some of the, um, by we, I mean David Kittredge, created this really cool kind of merchandising shelves that you can pull apart or put together and moves from shelves to an actual table that we can put down the middle of the, the shop. And then all of a sudden you have a table for 25 people. So I definitely want to lean into at least monthly chef collaborations. Chef Dane and I have become friends. Uh, we've been doing a lot of Chef Dane pop-ups at Tender Mercy, and he's opening a restaurant in the Oregon district right on 5th Street hopefully very soon. So being able to collaborate with him, being able to hopefully collaborate with Chef Jorge, that's something I'm still very interested in. I'm, I'm a little bit over food service for the, the most part. I've just done it for so long that I do want to focus on wine now, but having a space where every now and then we can still throw an epic five course meal or something like that would be really wonderful. Yes, definitely wine clubs. The wine club, the name is Dosage, which is a technical term relating to the champagne process, and I'm going to call it the dose for short. So there'll be a single dose or a double dose. It's a monthly wine subscription program. You either get two bottles a month or four bottles a month. You know, again, kind of tapping into that downtown community that likes to be able to do all of their shopping by foot. Shopping and, you know, entertainment, things like that. People live downtown because they like the convenience of having everything right around them. So I want to make this element of their day-to-day -day life even more convenient. All of the above. There will be a full bar with cocktails, but I kind of want to keep it very simple and focused on classic cocktails. There's going to be food, but again, just very simple bar bites. I don't have a hood system. There's going to be no frying or anything like that. So it'll just be nibbles and things to keep you satiated as you're sitting at the bar having a glass of wine. Since the last time you were on, you spoke at the Pechka Kuchka last fall, I think. What is that and what were some highlights of that? What were you talking about there? So I had heard of it before I was invited to speak, but I I had never attended one. I kept calling it Pechacucha, and it wasn't until the day of that the organizer called it Pachacacha. So I actually don't know how. To, I'm just calling it PK from now on. Something that started in Asia, I want to say it was maybe Japan, and the translation for the word is chit-chat. So it's a 10-minute conversation or a 10-minute speech that different members of the community are asked to present 
and it's supposed to be just on a topic of your choosing, kind of expect that it's related to your area of expertise. The, the cool kind of premise of it is you have 10 minutes, or no, I'm sorry, maybe it's five minutes. It's a very short period of time, and you get 10 slides, and each slide is not supposed to have any words on it. It's just picture-based. So you start the slideshow, and it's on a timer, so every you know X amount of seconds, the slide changes, and your speech has to kind of keep up with the slides. So it's for our generation that has a very short attention span, it's perfect. And yeah, you have these pictures, you're not getting distracted with a bunch of text. So the speakers that I got to present with that evening were all so so fantastic. Just such a wide array of topics that were covered. And my talk was about the evolution of humanity and how that coincides with wine, starting back from, you know, Mesopotamia and you know the cradle of life and everything. So it was a, a bit of a grandiose topic. I will acknowledge that. But but I also think it's accurate. Humans and alcohol have been inextricably linked since the very beginning of time. We we have sought it out and I mean it's obviously something that happens naturally, but since we discovered what alcohol is, humans have just been fascinated and it's been such a inextricably linked part of human society ever since. Well, I'm excited for you and the wine shop. When I saw kind of the press release, I was like, oh, I mean, I knew eventually you would do something like that, but it's just cool to kind of see it, I guess, a little bit sooner uh, than probably most of the public imagine. But obviously, it's been in the works for you a long time, number of years looking at spaces and everything that kind of get this off the ground. So, but yeah, super excited for you and uh, can't wait to see it kind of all get built and materialize and open and we'll be stopping in. You know, we're always big fans of anybody who goes on in the wine industry to open their own spot. You know, we have Accent here in Columbus and then, you know, Dan opened Iris Reed last year. So, you know, I think it's something that a lot of people in kind of the wine world are looking towards now. And Ohio, we don't have any real big box kind of wine stores anymore. So it's always cool to see the little independent people kind of pop up and carve out their little niche and, you know, what they want to do and what they want to focus on and yeah, it just sounds like a cool concept. So can't wait to see it. And, you know, we'll be stopping in for sure. Thank you so much. And yeah, you know, the places that you just listed are, are wonderful. And Dan was really hospitable to me. I kind of spent a day with him just picking his brain about the whole process. So again, that's the entire Dayton community has been so supportive, but the wine community has been really supportive as well. And it just makes me really proud to be part of an industry that wants to lift other people up. And yeah, please come. I'll definitely let you know when it's open. I would love to host you in and congratulations, by the way, on passing your your court level one. So <laughs> that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I definitely didn't like wing it or anything like other people did. Made flashcards and studied. Uh, There's still surprising, like there was a, some questions on there that I'm like, this wasn't even covered in any of the material. Like, I don't even know what to answer for this. And like, I found previously like examples online, like there's somebody that posted like, maybe the certified and the intro, but it was from like Australia, like that court affiliation out there. So they posted online and like, I was able to go through some of that stuff, but still there was like questions. And it's like, this hasn't been covered at all. Like, I don't know why I would know this like right now, like this is way, but it's still passed. So yeah. And I think we have, I think I have like three years uh, before it expires or whatever. So if I want to do the next level, which I think I will, but I, that's a whole different beast with service component and blind tasting, which I'm not great at. So that's a whole thing that I got to get spun up on. Yes, you got to practice. Oh no, you got to drink more wine. A lot of practicing and finding a tasting group and all that stuff. So 
yeah, we're just going to enjoy passing for a couple of months before jumping into that whole world on the next level. That's a good approach. So, but yeah, stay in touch. Yeah. Keep us updated and uh, looking forward to it. Oh, spring or summer, whenever it uh, opens, hopefully you don't run into too many delays with construction or anything. Hopefully that's kind of behind us with all the COVID delays and everything with supply chain management and whatnot. Yeah. Super excited to see another wine shop within kind of the area. It's drivable. Yeah. Same. Agreed. As always, a big thanks again to Lauren for taking some time out of her day and jumping back on the podcast, returning to talk about Jui and where she's at and look forward to the wine shop opening. I think it's going to be super unique. It's going to be super interesting and kind of can't wait to see it fully come to fruition and everything that she's got kind of envisioned for it and just realizing that and putting it out there. So again, it should open sometime kind of spring, summer. It just depends on if there's any construction delays and permitting and stuff like that. As she mentioned, you know, a lot of the stuff is already in place. It's just tedious going through the process. One step forward, stop, another step forward, stop, another step forward. So that's just kind of the way it is in the construction world these days. So, but spring, summer is when it should be opening and uh, looking forward to that finally um, getting up and running and her kind of being able to run a wine shop and do everything that she wants to do in that wine world. So again, you can follow her on Instagram. It's at Lauren. It's just got 12 A's in between the L and the U. Pretty easy to find. Also follow the wine shop at Jewy Wine. And then you can also follow Sueno and Tender Mercy. Uh, it's at Sueno DYT and at Tender Mercy DYT. Those are the two properties that she's running the wine programs at currently. She has been for a couple of years now. I, mean, I think they've been open for you know almost two years. Uh, maybe it's a little bit longer than that. She'll be there until the wine shop officially opens. So you can stop in and see what she's got on the wine list and you know what she's doing. You might even see her on the floor. Make sure to follow us as well at Spoon Mob uh, on Instagram. Check out the website, SpoonMob.com, and then follow, subscribe to the podcast, whatever player podcast app that you use. Appreciate everybody listening. Continue to help spread the word. If you're new, welcome. If you've been here for a while, thank you for your continued support. And when you wind up at one of these restaurants, wine shops, or whatever that we featured on the podcast, make sure that you let them know that you listened to their episode on the Spoon Mob podcast and help you know provide that awesome feedback for them so they know that it's worth their time coming on the podcast. And you know we always want to support everybody as much as we can because these are the places that we're big fans of and want to see them continue to grow and thrive for years and years to come so we got cool places to eat and drink at. That is it for this week's mini update episode. We'll have one not next week, but the week after. New episodes drop on Thursdays every week, 1 a.m. We'll talk to you guys in a couple days on Thursday.